Hello and welcome to Parenting in the Middle podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is about helping you connect with your teens so that you can have fewer power struggles. I'm Kristen Goodman and I'm a mom to almost four teenagers. My youngest is just shy of 13. I have a free guide available to you with simple steps to help you create a closer relationship to your teen. It has actionable steps, uh, things to say, and ways that you can start noticing the positive in your teenagers, even when it gets hard. You can find that at parentinginthemiddle.com backslash power struggle. I am also active on Instagram at Kristen Goodman Coaching. You can follow me there to receive more helpful tips to keep you in control as you navigate these teenage years. All right, so let's get started with the episode. What I wanna talk about today is how to foster a more open, honest communication with your teen so that you can get to know what they are doing, viewing, consuming online. The the reason why I find this important is it is summer, we're going into summer, and our teenagers like to be on their devices, right? And there can be a lot of days where there's not much to do. You can find them on their phones or in front of a screen for way too long. This feels stressful for us as parents. We feel like we have to manage our kids' time and manage their screen time. It can be a lot and it can really create that power struggle when you've given that freedom and now you want to take it away. Or you have allowed certain apps and haven't set limits on them and now you're trying to manage those limits and it can look like setting a limit on your phone. I do love the the way that iPhone is where I am able with my own phone to restrict and limit my kids' phones with my phone. But I've also found that it gets really frustrating when I do set that limit and then I get the text, hey, I need more time. Can you give me more time? I was doing this, I was right in the middle of this. And I talked to a lot of parents who are in that same boat. And so then you allow your children more time or, or not, but it can feel stressful. And so the focus of this podcast today is for our older teens. So I'm talking like high school where they have been given more freedom, more access, and now it's time to have an open, honest dialogue with them to see what they're viewing, what they're consuming, what they're doing online, especially if you're feeling nervous about the things that they are watching and you want to instill in your teens an ability to self-govern, right? Because they will turn 18, they will move out of your house, and they will be forced to manage it on their own. So we can't, as parents, monitor our kids forever, and we can't have so much control that they don't learn how to navigate it on their own. So if they feel so restricted, so um, unable to manage anything on their own, like they have to ask permission for everything. They're very, very limited. It can work for some, but in others, it can cause some sneaking around. Maybe they're using another device. They have accounts on a computer or another phone, a friend's phone that they have created so that they can have that app that they want. There are so many ways. I don't even know all of the ways that our teens can override our restrictions. One of them I had just read about 
where a parent had discovered that their child was changing the time zone they were in with their phone to override the downtime. They had changed their time zone, so when the parent was thinking they were in downtime, they weren't because on their phone, it, they were in a different time zone, so it was a different time. I'm just saying there are so many ways. I couldn't believe that one when I read it because I hadn't thought of that. And so if there was a way to completely control the things that your kids did in a way that would just guarantee you success when they became an adult, that would be fantastic. But there is not. So the best thing that we can do is to create an open and honest communication with our kids, a level of trust where we trust them, they trust us, and you know, we have the restrictions and we have expectations and all of that, but we have to allow our kids to have some autonomy with the things they do so that they can develop the intrinsic motivation that they need to decide what's good for them and what's not good for them. And sometimes that means they will be making mistakes. They will do things that they're not supposed to. And if we freak out about that, we are losing out on an opportunity to connect and to teach our kids and to guide them, which is our job as a parent. Our job as a parent is not to raise perfect people who have never done anything wrong. That sounds very stressful and like a whole lot of pressure if that's our job. So take that pressure off. Your kids don't need to be perfect. You can't possibly be perfect enough to create these perfect children. So your children will make mistakes. You will make mistakes and it's okay. And that's how we all learn and grow. That's part of the process. And so with that said, take a deep breath and let's just talk about how to create this open, honest dialogue with our kids where we can trust them that our kids are good kids. Like think about them inside, who they are as an individual. We love them. They want to do good. They want that approval from us. They want to do the best that they can. Sometimes their best is terrible. We want to love that individual, that child, and give them compassion and grace and really talk and connect with them, how can we help them? Uh, it's not throwing our hands up in the air and letting them do whatever they want because we don't know what to do. So how do we do this? Over the weekend, I was listening to a Light the Fight podcast, which I will link in the show notes. The title was called The Social Contagion of Narcissism. And on this podcast, it was so interesting. I had not really heard the term social contagion. But if you think about it, when you were in high school or think about your kids and their friend groups, how sometimes within groups, you'll start noticing they'll talk the same or dress the same. And, you know, certain trends and because of that, but social, social contagion is more of, it's more problematic because it will talk, it talks about if one person in the group is self-harming, for example, then others in the group may start to self-harm. Things can get passed among the group depending on what is talked about in the group, depending on the emotional level that the group is at. So like our kids carry emotions from other people, from their friends, and it can be um, hard for them sometimes, especially if they're really empathetic 
and they care deeply about their friends and their friends are struggling, that is something that is going to affect our kids. We can be affected from other people's emotions, of course. And so it doesn't mean that if you have a friend who's struggling, you shouldn't be friends with them. But social contagion is this idea that if you have a friend group and if there's a lot happening in this friend group, like there's a lot of talk about anxiety and depression, which as we know, those things are more prevalent now today. Maybe there's more awareness of it, which is so good, but it's also can become a problem when you can Google everything and our kids can think that they have all of these diagnosable things because they're talking about it among their friend groups. So all of a sudden in this friend group, everyone has anxiety. All of a sudden in this friend group, everyone's struggling with depression. And I would be the first one to say, always take those things seriously. But as you're talking to your teens, if they haven't come to you and said they are struggling, or maybe they're saying their friends are struggling, it's just good to know that this exists, that there is this idea of social contagion where if one person in a group is experiencing something, and even if it's something that's not serious, say they love a certain type of music, and now everyone in the friend group loves that same kind of music. It's just about the influence that can be present when you get a group of close friends together. And so it's good for you to communicate with your teens that this exists and that they are their own individual unique person with their own likes and dislikes. And so if they are experiencing this influence, do they recognize, is it because all of their friends are talking about it and thinking this way, or is this because this is how they really feel? And that that might be a question that they will need to think about. And if you have an open and honest dialogue about it, they can figure that out, maybe with the help of you or someone else, a licensed professional. But it's definitely helpful to just add to that conversation, to know that our kids will be influenced, they are being influenced by so many things, social media, television, um, friend groups, school, their peers, their family. There's so many things, culture, that influence our teens. It's good for us to have that ability to talk to them and connect with them so that they can learn who they are, what's important to them, what do they like, what do they not like, who are they and who do they want to be. And as a parent, this can be so such a great opportunity for you to get to know your teen to see who they are and who they want to be, their likes and dislikes. And sometimes that means being uncomfortable because you have this idea of what you want your teenager to turn out like, what you want them to do and accomplish. And sometimes that can look different for them. And so the best thing that you can do for your teen is to allow them space to figure out who they are without that pressure of having to be a certain way or think a certain way. Give them space to figure it out and have it be a safe place for them to do that because I can't think of a safer place than under your influence and in your home where they can figure that out. So why do we want to have this open and honest dialogue with our teens and why do we need to be patient with them? I think the answer is obvious, but it's important to know that life for our teens is so much different than it was for us. I think the age of social media and smartphones and this ability to have so much access to so much information 
can make it really hard for teens and they don't even realize it. Over the weekend, I was listening to two different podcasts and both podcasts mentioned this particular show. And so I got curious, I Googled it, and it's something that I would recommend not to watch for you, but check it out and then ask your teens if they are watching the show. I had never heard of it. It's called Euphoria. It's on HBO Max. I believe it came out in 2019, so it's definitely not new, but I had not heard of it before. Um, it is very disturbing if you read about it, and it's even more disturbing when I asked my three older kids if they had heard about it. They all three had, and they knew someone who had watched it. And just from the reviews, if you look at reviews on Common Sense Media or if you Google anything about if it's appropriate for my teen to watch, you will read about how it is very graphic, very extreme in all of the ways, and it features high school kids. And so it's about a group of high school kids, and they are experimenting and, and doing all of these things in a very dark, traumatic way that our kids should not be exposed to watching anything like this. How on earth can they even process seeing something like this? And it's one of those things that I don't think that our kids or teens realize how this will have an effect on them, whether they realize it or not. And I think I just said it was on HBO Max. I just looked on my phone, because we don't have HBO Max, but we have Hulu. And I just looked and I could watch it on Hulu. So. It is accessible, and so it's important to know uh, the older your teens get, the harder it is to monitor and track every little thing that they watch. And so what's, more, what's even more important is having a, uh, a dialogue where you can ask them, hey, have you heard of this show? Have you seen it? And if you come at them in a way that's going to make them get defensive, they're going to deny that they've ever seen it. They're going to not know what you're talking about, even if they have heard, even if they do know friends who've watched it. So more importantly is having this communication with your teens that is allowing for, hey, this is out there. Have you heard of it? Do you know anyone who's watched it? What do you think about it? Is this something that you like? Why or why not? And it is really hard as a parent to ask those questions when you have very strong opinions over the way that they should answer them if they don't answer them in the way that you approve. But that's when you get to practice emotional regulation to keep your cool, manage your emotions, and have a conversation with your teens. Because especially if they have watched something like that and are watching it without your permission and without thinking that they should, you know, watching it while they know that they shouldn't, just from what I gathered from reading about this show, I would be very surprised if a teenager watching this show, knowing that they shouldn't watch it, would be enjoying it. And so knowing that, it's a little easier to find some compassion there to just get to that place where you can try to understand where your teen is coming from. Just get to a place where you can try to understand. Maybe you won't understand completely, but you're trying to understand. So you're getting curious, you're asking good questions that aren't judgmental, that aren't condescending, that aren't accusing. They're just getting curious, like what makes you want to watch a show like that? 
there's a really popular actress in this show. And another question would be, how does it make you feel that this person is in that show? Have a conversation about it. Allow time and space for them to think about their answer. Instead of telling them what you think, get curious about what they think. I'm sure they already know what you, you, what you think, or they would have a pretty good guess of what you would think. So get really curious. And if I'm just using this show as an example because it was something new to me that I had just been uh, learning about, but and it's a conversation that I have been having with my kids, but you can you know, insert something else in place of, of the show. Maybe your child is late for curfew or doing something else that's questionable online or with their friends and you don't know what that is. Get really curious, try to understand where they are coming from. You will, over time, this takes time, you have to be patient. You're not going to solve all the world's problems with one conversation, but you will become closer to having more influence with them so that they can, you know, the goal is for them to get in tune with who they are and what they want to do to make better decisions. Not because they have to or because you're forcing them to, but because they respect you and because they want to. That is the goal. So how do we do this? What are some ways that we can do this? Number one is talk about normal things. Don't have, notice if every conversation you have is a lecture or talking about what you're concerned about or worried about. If every time you talk to your teen, it's about something that is stressful, then they're going to not be so relaxed to talk with you and they're gonna to try to avoid talking with you. So have a list of things you can talk about that are fun and light and just relaxed. Um, use I messages. So when you feel stressed about something, avoid accusing your teen of being the reason why you are stressed. Don't say you are stressing me out you say something more like, I am feeling or I am concerned about, and then what the topic is. Keep it about you. Um, I was upset this morning because the kitchen was a mess and I had to clean it up. Um, instead of, you didn't do the dishes before you left for school. It's what you are experiencing and you're, you're sharing your feelings with your teen, right? You're being really honest. And you're being that example for how to do that without accusing your teen and making them all of a sudden put up their defenses. Open-ended questions. This is what I had talked about before, about inviting curiosity to understanding. Notice when you lecture and tell your kids how to feel, or if you ask them a question. I used to do this a lot, where I'd ask a question and then answer it right then in the same sentence. And I wouldn't give them any time or opportunity to share what they wanted to share with me. And they wouldn't answer my questions because why would they? They knew I, I knew the answer. So open-ended questions and then allow time and space for silence. Don't be afraid of the silence. Silence is thinking. Let them have time to think about how they want to respond and get them used to Okay, they're going to know mom's going to not speak until I answer. So I better have an answer and they'll start talking to you more. Um, you can share the things that you struggled with. Be honest about, you know, in the way that you feel is best and appropriate, the things that you struggled with and be really honest and 
allow them to see that you made mistakes and you've learned along the way and maybe even apologize for some of the things that you've done as you parented your teen that you feel bad about. Treat them as an equal. Even though you're the parent and you're responsible for taking care of your teens, treat them as an equal, as someone you respect. I think when you think about how you talk to someone you respect, and you start noticing, okay, how I am talking to my teenager is not how I would talk to a friend or how I would talk, how I, how I would want someone to talk to me. That's how I started reframing it in my mind as if I was starting to yell or be really annoyed at my teen. And um, I would then think, okay, if someone said that to me, how would I feel? And it was easier to start, you know, reining that in and just keeping my mouth shut so that I could give them the respect that they deserve, even if that meant I had to take a break, take a time out, take a breath and come back to this conversation. And I could be really honest and say, I am not in a place that can have this conversation right now in a calm way. So you're going to have to wait. You know, and I was holding a boundary, allowing space for myself to feel upset, but also staying in control of my emotions. I think that's a really great example to set with your kids. Practice what you preach. We all know if you're a parent of teens, how quick they are to see any type of hypocritical behavior. So if you are on your phone and then yelling at your kids for being on their phones too much, they are going to notice that. Even if uh, you think, well, I'm doing work stuff, this is an important email, this is for my church calling, I've thought I've had that happen before. It doesn't matter. If you are yelling at your kids for being on their phones too much while you are looking at your phone, no lesson is learned. It's it's futile, it's pointless. We talked about listening without judgment or criticism. That is so important if you want your teens to talk to you. And that's the goal. We want our teens to feel safe. We want our teens to talk to us. And as soon as you start judging them or criticizing them, they will shut down. See their positive qualities. Think about the stuff you love about your teens. What are they good at? Uh, avoid all or nothing statements. It's so easy to get caught up into like everything is going wrong. Oh my gosh, they never do this or they always do that. That's not true. So be onto yourself when you start overgeneralizing and getting into that all or nothing mindset because it's only going to shut down the conversation. It's going to make you feel terrible and lose your temper. And it's not even true. So see the truth of, you know, what is true. Ask yourself what is true. And that will give you some insight into, all right, maybe this is this could use improvement, but we're okay in this area. So I can... I can settle down and we can have a calm conversation about this. So having boundaries, of course, is so important. So you're not going to just let your kids watch whatever they want. And if you see that they are watching a show that you don't want them to watch, you can unsubscribe. Stop paying for those apps. You know, take the phone away, but do it in a way that's not out of anger not because you're losing your temper and then you're giving it back to them the next day because you realize that was a bad decision or you can't uh, manage that consequence. You want to be very, very intentional about the boundaries you set and it'll be different depending on the child, how old they are. The most important thing when you have to create a boundary or take away a phone or have a consequence is not to make it personal. So if it's about you and how you feel and that they deserve 
you know, to be punished and you're making it about you, it becomes personal and it's not going to be an effective consequence. And so what this would look like or sound like, and, and first I want to preface this saying we all make mistakes as parents. I have done all of these things wrong for sure. But when you have some awareness and you know, okay, this isn't effective, it's easier to change the behavior. Apologize, connect, change the behavior. So I'm definitely not saying this in a way that should cause you to have any shame or judgment for yourself. But when you take something personal, what it sounds like is you're accusing your child of, let's say, it's being messy. Like, you are so messy. I'm always cleaning up after you. Why can't you pick up your stuff, right? You're labeling them messy. You're, you know, name calling. You're frustrated. They're going to feel terrible. You are going to feel terrible. So another way to approach that is to say, hey, and then say what the behavior is. Say why it's a problem. So maybe they just got home and they're looking at their phone. You ask them a question. They don't even look up or answer and you are feeling really disrespected and you say, oh my gosh, I hate that stupid phone. You are so absorbed in it and you didn't even acknowledge me and I asked you a question. I swear, phones are the worst, okay? You're coming at your child and it just feels really stressful. They're not going to really hear you or listen. They're gonna tune you out and just kind of shut down. So instead of doing that, it just sounds more like, you getting their attention and just explaining what you're seeing. So, hey, I noticed that you are looking at your phone and you could also ask them, hey, what are you looking at? What's so interesting on your phone? And, uh, you know, maybe they're just texting or something. It's really not that big of a deal. And maybe they'll tell you what they're doing. Maybe they won't, but you genuinely care. Hey, what's so interesting on your phone that you didn't even look up or you didn't even hear me ask you a question? And then, you know what, I would really appreciate it if when you walk in to the house, if you could acknowledge me, if we could have a conversation without you being on your phone. It makes me feel really sad or stressed when I see you with your phone, and then it makes me have a bad relationship with your phone and want to just take it away. I don't want to feel that way. I want to connect with you and talk with you, and if you could just... Put it in your pocket for a few minutes when you got home that would be amazing could you do that and you'll start noticing as you practice having these conversations with your kids in a non-stressful way they will listen and they will start to change their behavior and sometimes you don't even need them to have a consequence or set a boundary sometimes you will so if they are ignoring you and they're not doing the things that they need to do you don't have drama or anger about it, but you have a box for their phone and you can do it in a really fun, obnoxious way as well, which would be like, hey, you know what? I am so excited because you know how you always keep forgetting to do you know, whatever it is? Well, now I have a box and your phone gets to go in this box on the counter until you get that done and I bet you don't forget anymore. Whatever it is, I mean, that's just a silly example, but you can get creative and it doesn't have to feel frustrating or terrible and you get to, you know, be the, be the one in charge. You're the adult, you have the expectation, you have the rules, and in a very calm way, you can enforce them. 
And I think one of the most important things to just keep in mind is that not everything has to be a problem. Kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode where we aren't supposed to be perfect. Our kids aren't supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to just love and guide our kids and support them. And so there's nothing that you can do or say that is going to prevent you know, anything bad from happening to your kids. And if that's how you are thinking, you are going to feel very stressed out. And just because you let go of that um, idea that you are responsible for doing everything perfectly, it doesn't mean you're going to throw your hands up in the air and not care anymore. You're still going to care. You're still going to show up at this, as this loving, intentional parent who has expectations for their kids. It's just going to be one that allows for more honest and open communication that will allow for growth and learning from mistakes instead of creating an environment where they can't talk to you or they can't tell you the things that they're struggling with because they don't want to concern you or they don't want you to see them differently. They don't want to disappoint you. I was uh, reading something that that said one of the worst things you can say to your kids is, um, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed. And that is something that I have probably said multiple times to my kids as they were growing up because I was disappointed in them. But if you do think about the words that we use and how powerful they are, that our words have meaning, If you say you're disappointed in them, how is that going to make them feel? And if they feel shame and if they feel terrible and they change their behavior because they want your approval, is that the motivation we want them to have? Or do we want to foster that intrinsic motivation within them to know that mistakes are okay, we're we're not supposed to be perfect, and when you make a mistake, I am here for you and I love you no matter what. And remember, the, the point of all of this is just to manage your own emotions because that is what you can control. You are in control of your own response. Everything else is out of your control. And so if you feel like you need to control it, you're going to be very disappointed and feel very out of control. So the goal is to manage your own emotions, your own response, and... Next week, what I'll do is we'll talk more about how to implement those boundaries and consequences when you need to, how to respond when your teen is rude to you and um, doesn't listen to you. I'll talk a little bit more about what to say in those times because I know it does sound so lovely and nice to just be so supportive and loving to our kids all the time and listen, but there are times where we do need to respond in a way that lets them know that we aren't going to put up with certain behaviors. So I will focus more on that next week, but focus on what you can control, which is your own response, how you feel emotionally. Really, that is the first step. Instead of focusing on changing your child's behavior, focusing so much on what they are doing, focus on how you are thinking and how you are feeling and how you are responding to your teen's behavior. If you want more help with this, I am going to be launching my group coaching course in June. It'll be a six or eight week course. I haven't decided. I think it's a six week. You can upgrade to eight weeks with one-on-one coaching if you want to. 
but um, you can get on my email list for that. Just go to parentinginthemiddle.com backslash waitlist and you can get on the waitlist. Um, if you're on my email list, you will already get all the information for that. But I'm really excited because you get six modules of pre-recorded videos with a workbook that's going to take you through step-by-step, week-by-week of things that you can do, specifically what to say, how to respond, because even when you feel really upset or triggered, if you remember how you're supposed to respond, and I'll give you specific things to do, that will help you. That will be the first piece, because you really do want to take a look at what you are thinking, how you are feeling, what you're making your child's behavior mean. And so that will be in June. I'm really excited about that. Perfect time if it's summer and your kids are home. Take some time to work on yourself. We do so much for our kids, and uh, it's easy to just lose ourselves in taking care of them. And really, it's so important to focus on, on you and how you are feeling. Take care of you, and you will be in a better place to take care of your kids. All right, so that's what I have for you today. Remember, parenting teens is hard work. So if you're in the thick of it, if you're feeling stressed out, I see you and hear you and I'm right there with you. It's okay, but we've got this and we can do this and our, we have great kids. So keep on doing the good work. We will come at you next week with some more helpful tips. Thank you so much for listening and being here. Have a great day.